The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Well, hello there. Welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter, kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy, a media producer. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com. And I'm here with my special guest host today, spiritual rebel and time traveler, Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the Hello. Author- <laughs> Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm okay, Jim. I like that time traveler. Uh, my whole day has just changed. I'm not sure what I'm going to do or where I'm going to be for the next 24 hours. This is very exciting. Now, have you recently been in the past or in the future? I don't know. I or is guess it all the same? <laughs> it could be all the same, right? You know, I guess, I guess I'll just focus very spiritually in being here now. Ooh, that's, uh, that sounds like a good plan. That sounds like a good plan. So in your stay-at-home experience in these times, have you been uh, catching up on any sci-fi or any good shows or anything like that? I have. You know, I just got hooked into a new one that someone offered up to me. Now, I've been watching Picard and I've been watching Firefly from your recommendations. But I had someone ask me to try out The 100. Huh. Did you watch this? I have it. Tell me about it. So it's a little Lord of the Flies-ish. Mm-hmm. It's got six or seven seasons, and I'm just at the very beginning. But the idea is that we've trashed the Earth. So, you know, it feels a little bit now, right? Yeah. So we've trashed the Earth. Uh, people live in space, but they take 100 teenagers, and they send them back to Earth to see what happens. That sounds very frightening. It is frightening. It really is. I'll let you know how it goes. I'm only into uh, number two or number three, but I do like the idea of what would happen to the earth if humans were gone for a hundred years. That is right? what, what does that rebirth or what does that look like? Cause we're already seeing what's happening while we're in quarantine, right? Where we see dolphins are returning to the channels of Italy, right? Smog, you know, they can see the Himalayas, which we haven't been able to for years. So I don't want us to be gone. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I am kind of interested in renewal right now. Well, that makes sense. I've been uh, into this series called Lock and Key on Netflix. Have you heard about this? Oh, I saw it, but I don't know what it's about. What's it about? Well, it's all about this mysterious house and magical keys that open sort of other realms, both good and bad. And 
Um, it opens it to the kids inside the house. It can be a little scary at times and even a little bit uh, mature, but it's really cool. I, I think um, if you look at it through a metaphysical lens, you know, what do you do with the power you have? Do you use it? Do, a, do you abuse it? What does it really open up? It's really kind of an interesting show. I think you'd enjoy it. Oh, good. I'll put that on the list. On the list. On the list. Yes. Behind all the books and the films and the video, it's, you know, <laughs> so much to consume right now. It's really interesting. Yes. Well, you know, we have J James Redfield on the show a little bit later today. And I also caught up with his, uh, his film version of the book, The Celestine Prophecy. It was quite interesting. I did too. Yeah, I checked it out and I'm and I'm interested in reading more because it was like it was just the first piece and I know that he, that he has more after that so I feel as if I saw season 1 and maybe <laughs> in our interview we'll hear about season 2, 3 and 4. That sounds good. All right, are you ready for our dueling inspirational quotes? I am. So far you haven't sent your social media people after me in in terms of who you know, is inspirational, more inspirational, you or me, in terms of our quotes. So I'm, I'm a little frightened by that, but we'll see what happens. That's okay. You know, and, and that, that tunes right into my quote, because I've been thinking about friendship and how the search for knowledge and insight isn't always solitary, and it isn't always in these big communities or our sanghas or our churches or whatever spiritual community we're in, but sometimes it's just friends. And so, you know, us hooking up by, you know, doing an interview and then starting to, to get to know each other and you becoming one of, one of the people in my, my friendship circle. So I picked a quote based on that. And here it is. A person without a soul friend is like a body without a head. That frightens me just a little bit. <laughs> I thought it might. It's... <laughs> It's spiritual and creepy at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? St. Bridget of Kildare. So, wow. you know, you got to go back to four, 451, 452 CE for that. But I like the idea of, you know, you've become my soul friend. And, you know, that way I'm like a body. I'm, I'm not like a person who has a body without a head, right? You well, keep my head on for me, Jim. <laughs> well, I'm happy to do that. And I use uh, gaffer tape and um, glue at times, but I'm happy to do it. Excellent. Whatever it takes. <laughs> well, here's mine. God wants us all to manifest his life, his radiant flowing health, his joy. In fact, all that he is. The creator is now breathing his purifying, vitalizing, cleansing breath of life into each cell and fiber of your body, filling you with strength that is a barrier to any and every appearance of negativeness. Oh, I like that. Who is that? That's Myrtle Fillmore from... Is it? Yeah, from our collection, How to Let God Help You. One of, uh, obviously, Myrtle is one of the founders of Unity. Yeah, you know, and I almost did a Myrtle quote this morning. So that would have been really interesting to have dueling Myrtle without knowing dueling, it. I, <laughs> earning, dueling Myrtle. Oh my gosh. I like that though. I like that that strength of the body there. Perhaps if I followed that quote more, my head would stay on my body. <laughs> that knocked your head off, huh? There I you guess. Go. Uh, well, I, I just thought that was good for these uh, health conscious times and 
you know, I also, you know, I, I know that Myrtle is not talking about some sort of external God in the sky, but rather spirit as principle in that. I always feel like I need to point that out to, you know, new listeners or whatever. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We That word is loaded for some of us, right? And right. how we're able to expand its definition in whatever way fits how we experience spirit. Very true. Very yeah. true. Very true. All right. I think it's time. All right, let's do it. Let's jump into the episode. Now here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment. Hi, it's Martha Creek, MarthaCreek.com. This is a continued series on taking a new and revised look at the Beatitudes and specifically how to transform our heart and mind with new perspectives on these uh, ancient teachings. Today's is the fourth beatitude, which is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So the key to this fourth beatitude lies in understanding maybe that the word righteousness has various meanings. What does it mean to you, righteousness? Those who thirst and hunger for righteousness. So to our post-Puritan, post-Victorian ears, it also means it's a synonym for virtue. It means being moral, behaving correctly. But in earlier times, anxious times, righteousness was something much more dynamic than that. So think about it if you can visualize it as a force field, an an energy-charged sphere of presence, of holy presence, to be, quote, in the righteousness of God, as the Old Testament would refer to it. So there's nothing subtle about this experience and and its fierce nature as a bond to think about then um, the the current of even an electrical wire, an electrical wire. So to hunger and thirst after righteousness speaks then to an intensity of oneness, an intensity of connectedness. And in the teaching, we're promised that when the hunger arises within us, to find our deepest aliveness within God's aliveness when we um, tend that, when we follow that, when we uh, use that impulse, when we meet that, our own deepest aliveness within God's aliveness, it will be satisfied. And in fact, the hunger itself is assigned a sign that the bond is already in place. The hunger itself is our impulse to satisfy that. So as we continue down our path of transformation, the most valuable thing we have working in our favor is this yearning. Is this hurt, uh, thirst and hunger? Some would even say that the yearning that we feel for God is actually coming from that, from God. In fact, it's God's yearning for us, for me. The eye within which you see God is the eye in which God sees you, Meister Eckhart. It's 
Singer-songwriter Faith Rivera joins us with a special segment. Hi there, I am singer-songwriter Faith Rivera. I bet you wouldn't guess, watching me now perform, that I had horrible stage fright growing up as a kid, my whole childhood, even into my professional career, where it sometimes would be physically painful, you know, for me to be on that stage doing somehow this music that I loved. And yet the universe would always step in, even when I tried to stop numerous times. It took years and years, honestly, to find that joy on stage. What I can be proud and happy of all those years is that I continue to take the chance. You know, I would show up for those auditions. No matter like how <laughs> afraid I was, I would show up. I would show up, you know, to to say yes to this music that was just calling me and calling me and wouldn't let me go. So here's the question. Are there things calling you now? Things that frighten you, maybe a little, maybe a lot. And yet you know that these are things that they are yours to do. Truly, they are yours to do. So if the answer is yes, here, right now, this is your permission slip. This is your sign. This is your green light to give it a go. Now, what if you can give it a go without pressure? without making it such a big deal. It doesn't have to be a make it or break it moment, right? It's just allowing yourself this chance to explore, right? To adventure, baby step into this adventure, you know, um, be playful and light about it. It doesn't have to be so heavy. Remember when, you know, you used to be dared, you know, I dare you to do that. Well, I dare you. I dare you with all the fun and excitement and best intentions. I dare you to take that chance on you and just say yes, even if it's a little baby yes, moving in that direction. I have to share that my biggest aha recently uh, has been this idea of letting myself be messy, giving myself permission to not be perfect, right? Now, especially when it's a new and different direction, new and different um, experience or thing that you're trying to do here, how can we expect perfection? And now what if I told you that really there is no wrong step? I mean, how can it be a wrong step when it's something new? It's still unknown, right? And so let's say as you take that step towards whether we call it your dreams or just this calling from the depths of your heart or a calling out from the cosmos, um, you know that there can't be a wrong step because you are the one carving the road. You are the one writing the book. You are the one living your story into being. And as long as you just keep moving right in that direction um, of, of those things that are calling you, then the plot line, you know, it's always unfolding. It is always unfolding. There's no ending to your movie or film. And it's only at the end, I guess, that you can say, oh, that was bad or wrong. So no, it is never done. You're always unfolding just to more of what makes your heart smile, what makes your heart sing. So like that wise ABBA song, right? Take a chance, take a chance, take a chance. I'm asking you, no, forget asking. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm saying take a chance on you. In the end, that would be our only regret, right? That we didn't try, that we didn't go for it, that we didn't get to live as messy as we could have. 
And what do I mean by messy? We didn't get to be, you know, that, that we didn't get to be messy with creativity, messy with fun, messy with adventure, just messy in, in saying yes to the unknown. But the unknown is calling us just to that next level, next level of evolution of who we are, you know, and that might sound big. Let's just say it's just calling you to more fun. What about that idea? It's just calling us to more fun. So what is in store when you say yes, when you take that chance? I'm going to say ahas for sure, a fun uh, and a fulfillment that is deeper than, than we know now, right? Because it's on a road that we don't know. So it, it's going to be more than we know now. There's going to be more authentic joy. There's going to be new connections for sure, new connections with people and places and practices um, because you're opening yourself up. Certainly new riches, on all levels, and a new you. And, and, and like I said, not a new you that has a, a final or f- finite, you know, ending, but a new you that just keeps evolving, because that call keeps evolving. And so, yeah, that's what I'm going to leave you with. Take a chance. Take a chance on you. You're worth it. <laughs> and the world needs for you, truly needs for you to keep saying yes, because your own growth and expansion is the growth and expansion of our world, truly. So take a chance, take a chance, take a chance on wonderful, amazing, uniquely brilliant you. And now it's time for our interview. James Redfield was 43 when he published The Celestine Prophecy. He's been keenly interested in human spirituality all of his life. As a young man, he studied Eastern philosophies, including Taoism and Zen, while majoring in sociology at Auburn University. He later received a master's degree in counseling and spent more than 15 years as a therapist to abused adolescents. During this time, he was drawn into the human potential movement and turned to it for theories about intuitions and psychic phenomenon that would help his troubled clients. In 1989, he quit his job as a therapist to write full-time, synthesizing his interest in interactive psychology, Eastern and Western philosophies, science, futurism, ecology, and history. Using an adventure parable approach, the Celestine Prophecy created a model for spiritual perception and actualization that resonated with millions of people and focused on the mysterious coincidences that occur in each of our lives. James, it's so great to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you. Nice to be with you. So um, your first book, The Celestine Prophecy, really obviously hit a chord in society, and and you helped open some people up uh, to new ideas about spirituality, spirituality, which is is awesome. Um, It's 2020. You're back on tour now. What's what's going on? What made you decide to go ahead on tour again? Well, you know, I'm writing a, another book. There's uh, four existing in the Celtic Prophecy series. So I'm writing away on one, uh, a new book that will come out in the, uh, sometime next year. Awesome. And, uh, I get a call from the publisher and she says, uh, what are you doing with the Celtic Prophecy? Uh, which is, as you said, the first book in the series. And I said, well, I'm not not anything in particular. And uh, she says, well, it's flying off the shelves again. And uh, I said, you know, we looked into it, try to get a figure, try to figure out what's going on. Well, it's, people are obviously uh, 
giving it away and reading it, giving it away, passing along that sort of thing uh, from the chatter on the internet. And it's uh, chiefly, uh, I think, be, the recipients chiefly are millennials. Interesting. Uh, it's, yeah, it is. And, and so the millennial generation is, of course, uh, very large. Uh, the millennials and their older children, uh, who call themselves the Z generation. Actually, they don't call themselves. We call them. The yes. Generation. Yes. They, they would surely uh, come up with a better name for themselves, but they're they're a unique group too. But 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 the millennials and their children are by far actually the dominant uh, population on the planet. Mm-hmm. So uh, for millennials to now be tuning in you know it made me look look back at it really what was going on uh in the last um you know year and what i concluded uh was that they're they uh it was pretty obvious once i started looking at it they're they're reaching the age where uh every generation does where they they are are in uh, mass are kind of going from 36 or 7 38 looking at 40 coming you know flying toward them right uh, as it does <laughs> so anybody that's that's older than that knows knows the feeling that you get at that age which is you know okay you know i've done a relationship thing i've done the, um, you know done the child thing probably uh, I've gotten, uh, I've, I've realized you have to make a living in the world, but what do I really want to do? Yeah. There's gotta be something more. Gotta, yeah. There's gotta be something more than the, the kind of work and, and, you know, you know, uh, kind of secular, uh, chores that we have. And of course what's happening, uh, as again, every generation does is they start to ask the larger questions, uh, like that, uh, and something else is going on in the world that, that I realized, and that is that there are more people meditating across all generations than ever before in the world. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't really put that together. Yeah, that's happening. So what that really means is that people are seeking a kind of, uh, not just purpose for their lives, but a kind of understanding of what, um, you know, spiritual consciousness might be you know is there is there a way to explore spirituality and and, and to, to explore a more say a more peaceful connected consciousness that makes life go better hmm. and uh so uh I, i'm running around now talking about how it's really a new time in the world mm-hmm. because along with these other two generations we have baby boomers many of them retiring Many of them suddenly with more time on their hands than they ever had thinking, well, what, what do I want to do with my time? Mm-hmm. You know, the world's a mess. What can I do to make a difference? You know, they, they think legacy, in mm-hmm. a way. you know, right. what am I going to leave for my children? Right. So, you know, all this together, uh, uh, I believe is what's going on. It's not just the Celestine prophecy in terms of spiritually oriented books or philosophical books. Um, uh, it's other, uh, a lot of the old, older books, uh, that came through in the, in the, uh, you know, nineties, uh, uh, and tens and, and later, um, are being passed around more. So, you know, I, I, it really got me out. What we did was we, we, uh, 
uh, released a new edition of the Celestine Prophecy. Mm-hmm. And with it, I put a, an added afterward, uh, a fairly lengthy afterward, mm-hmm. uh, about what the, the larger context and how more and more people are seeking this, this spiritual connection that has never fully been defined by any one religion. You know, it's a experience. It's not a set of directives or beliefs or anything else. All that's mental. It's, but, but the, the, you know, the founders and the adepts of every religion talk about that, that, uh, that connection we make that's experiential, that gives us a centeredness, a clarity about life, a peace, that surpasses all understanding, you know? So it's, you know, it was fun for me to get, to get out and start talking again about the benefits of spiritual consciousness, uh, what you get uh, from it, not just what you, you know, not just some kind of context for whether you are are going to be okay in the afterlife, but what do you get from it now? And I think uh, you mentioned that I follow the, the, um, the human potential movement and have for a long time. And, and it's my view as, as a lot of integration starts to happen and along, of, uh, uh, along with the consensus building about what these true spiritual experiences are that we can reach. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but the payoff is the experience itself. So I think that after a hundred years, started with Carl Jung, uh, Protégé of Freud, the first one who, who really pointed to a, a larger spiritual consciousness uh, as, a, as a part of our psyche and that had to be, had, was key to any sort of coming to peace with the world or coming to peace with your upbringing and all the traumatic things that's happened. I mean, we all knew at the same time as therapists that if you, you know, you've got things holding you back and painful memories and emotional eruptions that come out suddenly, you know, we all have these things, but what we know is that you can, you can talk about them all day long. You can talk about them for a thousand years. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't change a thing. Uh, what changes us toward, a, toward, you know, in, in terms of, uh, a self-satisfying shift in our peacefulness in the world and our sense of contentment and fulfillment is actually that this experience of spiritual connection. So, you know, I can point to the exact time that the, the, that the helping professions uh, right before uh, the Salsing Prophecy came out, when, when the consensus hit, hit oh, you know, if you're going to talk about psychotherapy, it's got to be something that allows the person to break through to a new kind of sense of self in the world uh, that's larger and more purposeful. Uh, and that, of course, is what the Celsius Prophecy, my first book, was all about. Awesome. Well, we'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. So I'm curious, I, I, I saw the film recently, uh-huh. and um, you mentioned in the film, you, you say chaos is changing us. And, yes. and I'm, you know, in these times, we're certainly experiencing change. Um, can you speak about that a little bit and, and kind of open our, our eyes about that? Well, you know, it, it, um, uh, when, when I say chaos, it's, it's usually just the kind of shock, whether that's, you know, collectively or personally, you know, any shock, sudden death, sudden divorce, sudden illness, you know, that, uh, that's a big one. It shocks you out of normality, your normal routines that we just sort of, uh, get set in thinking we're going to live forever. Uh, you know, you we get knocked out of that, and you you have to fall back on some other sense of peace, and and many many people go in a spiritual direction. This what we're experiencing collectively worldwide right now is a, uh, you know, it's it's a laboratory <laughs> for uh, spiritual awakening, and um, because you have all the elements, in my view, you have. Uh, you have, uh, you know, uh, a shock to the economic system, uh, and suddenly, huge millions and millions of people around the world find themselves with no income when they thought their income was fairly set. You know, and they're going to be fine the rest of their years, and and then, you know, you also have this personal sense of. Uh, of the anxiety that comes and anger of about it comes, you know, and hurt uh, that, uh, you know, because, you know, it's easy to blame officials. And I think that the, the, the way, uh, you know, the solution really is to m- make sure that we we're coming, uh, that, that we, center ourselves in, in, in search for spiritual peace because uh, to get through something like this, you know, there's going to be sign, there, there's no, not going to be any easy solution that somebody's going to tell you that's going to make things okay. Um, it's, uh, you know, so, so we have to, we have to, we have no choice. And I think that's the way a lot of people think we have no choice except to seek a greater peace within us, uh, that comes from a higher, uh, source, you know, a, a, that we've always called God or the, you know, the force of love, you know, whatever we call it, we, it's the experience of it that makes the difference. And, um, and, you know, I always like to say this, you know, the, within Christianity is very clear, but also in all the other religions, we find some version that of you can find a peace that surpasses all understanding. In fact, it's not about understanding. It's not about anything now. It's a uh, opening. And of course I, I call it a spiritual connection that we've made experientially. Uh, that we open up to and uh, and the, you know, the ideals of that are also very well mentioned uh, across across you know the mystical searchers of, of history 
Um, and that is that it, it entails an opening of the heart. Now, <clears throat> and what that means, and that's a metaphor in itself for a emotional, a love state that becomes an emotional base that is sustained, right? Right. So that's experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, I argue, uh, you know, you know, the, the people that are operating out there and doing lectures and human potential trainings and all that kind of stuff, you know, I argue with them a lot because they think, well, if you mention love, James, you know, that's, that feels like it's mushy and, and weak and, and, uh, you know, not powerful enough, uh, uh, to get the self started, you know, along the, the lines of wholeness, you know, whatever they might say, quantum fig, you know, they say, they say uh, a lot of things like um, the science of self empowerment. Mm-hmm. And, and if you just think about that for a while, as opposed to spiritual consciousness, and uh, you, you find that, that there couldn't be a greater distance between the two. One is mental, one is theoretical, mm-hmm. one is, um, uh, an idea of, of doing something, uh, yourself by yourself and, and with, with a kind of strength of some kind that, that you manage. But, you know, anybody who knows anything about just pure growth as a human being knows that the culprit is the mental side of us, you know, as an ego is, you know, so if you marshal your strengths to be self-empowering, you know, what happens is that it's just a way of marshalling your, the ego um, coping devices and the ways to control that have gotten us in this struggle to begin with. Uh, so it's gotta be something that's beyond ego and our mental ideas about what we might need to do um and so yeah we we argue about this and because and they have their you know they 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 think a religion organized religion that you know uh you know has captured the love arena so if you go to love everybody's going to say well he's talking about religion but uh, uh not necessarily and and so i believe that what we have to realize is that this when i say open up the heart to a kind of love. This is the actually the strongest position in life that you could actually manifest because what drags us down is these um, these anger outbursts and these these periods of anxiety and this this obsession we get with other people that have some somehow hurt us. You know, these are the things that erupt and, and kill our peace uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. and, 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 and I argue, I say, well, look, if you're talking about consciousness, spiritual consciousness, uh, if you talk about consciousness, you have to understand that all true consciousness and, you know, this wholeness of, of perception, um, uh, is spiritual. And if it's not spiritual, you you can't even get to the place. So if you're not reaching out to some greater part of yourself, uh, or your soul that, you know, uh, it's very, very difficult to find the peace that we're talking about. This peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's the only thing that 
that cures the emotional outbursts and eruptions that come our way because love is the master emotion of consciousness. So it's the most centering, it's the most uh, engaging, it has the most energy. So that when you know we have one of these anger eruptions, you know, it it actually has to overtake this love, this master emotion to actually interfere very much with us. So it's it's very practical. Uh, you know, I I, I really um, advocate a particular meditation or contemplation, you could call it, because you can do it with your eyes open walking. Okay. Uh, but it's a it's it's it it you know it centers on hold of, you know healing the heart and and which means opening the heart to your our our true emotions uh, and health and vibrancy. And that is love. Wonderful. And that Wonderful. seems to segue so well too into one of the things that we we had been reading, which were the insights that come through your books. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship between love and these uh, spiritual insights? Yes. Um, you know, uh, the wholeness, this experience of centering into our 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 whole experience of of uh where we're, we're we're centered centered on our path you know we've healed our heart all that uh in, in my view takes a few steps to before we integrate all that uh, because ideally it's supposed to work like this um we have questions we're we're in the world on a journey and at any one time we have a question like if we have a problem the question is how do we fix the problem if if we are on a journey of uh say a, a career journey of some kind or just a path that feels like mission which is the ultimate uh you know we have to we have to be guided along that path and the way the way you do it if you have a question then you you have to open up to your intuitive intelligence, which is what the love opening does. That connection opens us up. Uh, it, it calms the mind, first of all. So we, we're, we don't just have all this chatter. We're, we can actually have no mental chatter at all. Uh, you know, we have our list we want to get down and that's great, but that doesn't have to be, it has to be a, a chatter. What happens is that we, we can find this, this intuitive intelligence and which is one of the insights but the whole picture is integrating all these insights right I, I like to start with that because we we have to we have to uh be centered so that and and actually hear an intuitive urge or guidance you know into intuitions are almost always uh to do something you know uh, sometimes it's to not do something yeah. <laughs> right. and hopefully we listen to those <laughs> right but but it's the you know the it's always the urge to do something you call an old friend you know are you uh it, 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 an old friend pops into your mind that's what i'm trying to say uh all of a sudden what do you do with that you say oh that was interesting that the pop the friend or do you take an action and the action is get in contact with that old friend, right? Because it's, the key to intuition is that 
you have to ask yourself, why did I think that now? Because if you don't, then it's, you rationalize and say, well, I'm trying to get this list done and I don't, you know, that I can't do that right now or whatever. But the key is to act on intuitive urges and hunches, even if you don't fully see how they relate to a question you might have or a solution you need. So it's about not just accepting the intuition, it's acting on the intuition. That's right. It's something to do always. It's sometimes a vision, right? That you have a little daydream, a vision to do something. You, and, and especially an old friend, an old friend pops into your head, right? And, you know, I've, I've asked this question that I'm about to ask right now in five continents, in different alphabets, in, you know, different cultures completely. And when I ask, when you think of an old friend and you call them up immediately, what do they say to you? I was just thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And it does. That, it does. It never fails. Some people do it all over the world in every culture, right? They call that old friend, and that's what the friend says. And what happens in that conversation? Something is traded. You know, mm -hmm. it's always a synchronicity, a mysterious coincidence, right? So that's the flow. Uh, you know, when I, you know, when I talk about the 12 insights that, in my books, the insights are all uh, experiences of how the world really works and understandings of, of the, how the world really works, right? So if, if, if we go through them, uh, and ultimately what I'm saying is that you have to integrate all 12. Mm -hmm. So you're not thinking about, well, is that the 11th insight I'm supposed to do here? Right. That's not how it works, right? Right. And these aren't sequential, or are they? Because I know often we have every, lists, right, where you've got to do one before you get to the next. Can you talk well, about, about yours? Okay. Well, I'm going to do it right now because remember what I, what I realize is when you start to open up spiritual consciousness, one of the measures is how much inspiration energy that you feel, right? Mm. Because always if you open up to this consciousness, it gives you this peace and suddenly you kind of understand the excitement to be in the world, you know, with this understanding, this connection. Uh, so it, it, raises energy it raises your inspiration energy and and really i think it fires up what carl jung remember he he started this path in my opinion he called archetypes in mm -hmm. the brain right pre-wired we're pre-wired pre to take a step as a child you know nobody thinks about what their calf muscle does or anything you just get on your feet and you, and you just walk because there's already a pathway in your brain for that a holistic pathway. Well, Carl Jung said, well, it's not only just physical aspects of life, but it's also the journey in life, opening up to the full consciousness of this journey. Uh, and I believe, I tried to name the, describe these insights uh, in terms of what we kind of fire up our brain to in, 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 in a realization. Insight is a realization of how the world really works. And there are 12 of them, in my view. So the first one is, of course, synchronicity exists, right? Exists. Um, synchronicity is meaningful coincidences. And what everybody's had one, right? 
you know, how'd you meet your, your life partner? How, how did you get your first job? You know, we look back on that and we go, man, if I hadn't stopped and talked to that stranger, I never would have got my first job. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. In retrospect, the key is to realize that we can watch for them. We can be conscious enough to watch for them as they unfold and ongoing in life. And, uh, but the, the key thing here in understanding that these, co- these coincidences, that, that the world is designed for these coincidences, you know, that's, it's, it's almost organized for these coincidences. Uh, and once you start to tune into the flow one after another, you realize that's, that's what hum- humanity, to, get, to reach our fullest potential, we have to understand that the universe is constructed so that we get these helping hands along the way. And uh, you just have to act on them. Uh, that's, a, that's the biggest thing. But the aha of, of knowing that synchronicity exists is that it's the antidote to doubt. If synchronicity really exists, then we live in a spiritual universe where we're helped. And the only thing different now in this moment of time is that we're realizing we're helped. In other words, we've been living outside of the help we could get. <laughs> yeah, we're finally figuring it out. Uh, so the second one is is expand synchronicity by uh, realizing that the, hist- the historical progress of humanity. If you go back and look, if you read the biographies you see that they were all achieved through these synchronistic miracle happenings. The the whole journey, you know, uh, you know, you know, moving from wandering to, uh, uh, you know, collective tribes, moving into, you know, sweeps of empire, empire, and then moving to uh, nation states uh, where, suddenly uh, somebody at great peril invented the idea of democracy. You know, if that's not a progressive step, what was, right? Right. So all all these things, medical breakthroughs, health breakthroughs, um, all the, 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 you know, the gyrations in our battle against what we would all call the darkness or the the negative, the controlling negative aspect of humans and how they, uh, they they want to control people and you know and and the way we had to deal deal with fascism and so so where we are is uh, in history is that we realize that there's a kind of progress happening right so if you look at that and you see that the, the progress of humanity is progressive which means we're all here, not just to use synchronicity to make our lives go better. We are here to uh, engage in a mission to help what we can see are clear goals of human progress. And, and that is, of course, accepting all, all peoples, all cultures, unifying around what's, what's human and what's spiritual and, and uh, uh, that it, in in realizing we're, we're trying to find the right understanding of spirituality in the world. What we have to see, of course, if this the second insight again is just broadening. We're not just supposed to f- open up to synchronistic flow 
you know, and be guided into solving our problems and living a happy life, but to make progress, to do something that helps push the world uh, further in this progress that we've seen. So that's the second. Well, let me ask you, um, you say it's about humanity taking another step in evolution. It's all about having a greater synchronistic flow in life towards some mission, ultimately, right? Right. And we, there's things we have to know about how the world's designed. It's not just designed to have synchronicity. It's designed to be uh, lucky, cared Interesting. for. Interesting. So uh, what that means is um, there's a karmic design, and it's very simple. If you're a giver, you want, if you're trying to give somebody a synchronicity, checking in with your intuition, and always looking out for the best interest of people the best you can, you're, be, you're a giver. And what do givers do in this karmic design? They draw into their lives more givers. In other words, you have more people coming, showing up just in time to tell you the exact thing you needed to hear to have a great synchronistic breakthrough in your life. Right. right. So, I love that. <laughs> I love when that happens. <laughs> I know. So then, and, and, and if you're a taker, just the opposite occurs. If you take, take energy, uh, misuse people to sell them something they don't need. Uh, just control, try to control people so you can have more attention or any of those little things that we're, most of us are unconscious of. It's bad karma because mm. what happens is you tend to uh, attract just people who operate just like you in this controlling manner. And it's not for punishment. It's because they are able to, they, they're showing you how, what the harm you're doing by having you suffer from the harm somebody else does to you. So it's, all, it's all, all designed for us to move toward the giving, the light side of life, right? The giving, the care, and all that. So that's the third. The fourth really is uh, becoming aware of these subtle controlling, uh, you know, in the, in the Celsius prophecy, I, I talked about the control dramas. You know, we all control unconsciously and we have to just work through that, you know, the, uh, interaction psychologists uh, have have done all the work. You, know, you remember the book, The Games People Play? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, this is all about how we subtly try to control people for attention. Yeah. Uh, but the fifth is a big one. The fifth is when we realize that we have to tune in to the spiritual world to to get fully aligned with it. And of course, that's, that's the meditation, that's the contemplation, that's the intention to break through to this peace, to heal your heart, to open your heart. And that is something that happens as a kind of uh, spontaneous event. Uh, and that's why people are meditating so much, mm -hmm. because they, they're getting that. They get that peace that surpasses understanding. Mm -hmm. The sixth insight is, is where we go a little further, and, and with that con spiritual connection, we get a sense of what we're supposed to do with our talents. And if we're givers, we're hearing in, intuitive information to act on to help another person. We start to see that there's a pattern to that. You know, you're a good teacher, you know, you're a good psychotherapist, you know, you're a good um, uh, technologist that so, when someone needs help with technology, you know, you, you, you differentiate into what your gift is, and then that becomes your mission. And that gets, that goes wherever it goes. You have to allow yourself to be led. It can be, you, you know, you can go 
to the top of influence or you or your mission may be to just just be with this huge family that you have and, and make a difference with your grandchildren there's no hierarchy here that's where Jim and I have the gift of gab <laughs> <laughs> yes and James I'm so sorry we're running out of time and yeah, well, thank you absolutely yeah. and you we, gave, we gave everybody a taste of what's going on I want to mention that uh, you know our site is selfingvision.com uh, we're developing a, a community around these ideas of growth. If if uh, people want to get on there and read about it, uh, what we're doing, uh, we have mentoring programs for people that want to be, you know, need some personal uh, coaching along those lines. Wonderful. Uh, so we're doing a lot of stuff to help spread the word that you know, it's a new time in the world and we we've figured out exactly how to reach spiritual fulfillment. And uh, that's an amazing turn, I think, in the world. Awesome. Awesome, James. I, you know, I want to go through every concept and, you know, I wish we had more time. Um, I think it's important that people pick up the, pick up the book again and, you know, read this. I mean, it's good stuff. And I think one, one of the things that stood out to me um, is the prophecy has to happen to you. You know, I think, I think that is really, really important. Well, James, um, thank you so much. Um, I, there's also another website called the Celestine Prophecy Tour.com. Is that correct? Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a website where you'll see our live events. Uh, awesome. Uh, we postponed a lot of those, obviously. Right, right. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's where, that's where you know, people get, they'll, they'll find out, you know, if you Google James Redfield or the Celestine Prophecy, you'll get everything. Awesome. Awesome. For more, for more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses and can help to create them on my website called youthrivehere.com. I hope you'll join me. James, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I have within me power than I have used, more life than I have lived, more strength than I've known I have within me, greater talent to express, more courage I can muster. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. <laughs>